and welcome everyone to this online conversation hosted by the European Centre for International Political Economy on the economic and broader societal value of intellectual property, or IP, for the European Union and its member states. My name is Jackie Davis, and today I'm very pleased to welcome Jürgen Vorborn, a member of the European Parliament and of its Committee on International Trade, to this conversation. It's great to have you with us, Jürgen. Thank you for joining me. And in this conversation, we want to discuss the role of intellectual property in fostering innovation and global competitiveness of European industry, and crucially, how to realize the full benefits of intellectual property rights in EU free trade agreements, which was the subject of a recent ESIP study that we've been discussing in these podcasts. And just to set the context for our discussion and get a sense of really how important this issue is, how do you see the role of IP in fostering innovation and the global competitiveness of European industries? Well, first of all, Jackie, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm a loyal listener to your podcast, and I very much appreciate the possibility to participate in this important discussions on intellectual property and free trade agreements. To answer your question, if we look at the European economy in a global perspective, I would argue that we have had a growth crisis for quite some time. Europe isn't growing as fast as other parts of the world. And this will hurt jobs and it will eventually hurt our prosperity. The voices for more protectionism will have to be defeated because we benefit from open, rules-based international trade. And if we allow protectionist ideas, the implications on future international competitiveness will be devastating for EU member states to attract foreign investment and access modern technologies. In the spring of 2023, next spring, Sweden will hold the presidency of the Council of the European Union. Uh, and as a Swedish MEP, I have been pushing for a European Growth Summit. Um, I think we need that, and intellectual property rights would have a natural place when talking about the future European growth. Because intellectual property rights create economic values, and intellectual property rights are preconditions for innovation, which of course is very necessary for a large part of the European companies. So IP rights are crucial for our future prosperity. And and the study that I mentioned earlier uh, does underline how important they are for our prosperity and for the success of trade policy, but says that they are routinely neglected when negotiating free trade agreements. When you look at the study on those benefits of IPRs uh, in free trade agreements that we've been talking about throughout this series, what for you are the most important lessons that you think we should draw from the study? Well, I'm not sure if IP questions as such are routinely neglected. That's, that's not how I perceive it. But from your study, there is one of the takeaways, there are several, but one of the takeaways from the study is that we have prioritized geographical in indicators rather than patents. And of course, GI issues are very important, but the study, I think, pinpoints that the economic value that are created from patents and trademarks are so much bigger. And this was, to me, very interesting. And I hope this report can convince member states, the commission and parliamentarians that we need to correct this imbalance for the, for the future. Because 
in comparison with free trade agreements that has been negotiated by other major economies, the EU are far away from where we should be regarding patents. The decline on the focus on patents has been harmful, I would say, for the industrial sector in Europe. So this has to be Mm. corrected. Just before we come back to that and and where we need to have stronger provisions and how we should go about it, I just wanted to look at, with this report and the findings that we've been talking about in mind, what for you are the implication of the decision on the so-called TRIPS waiver for COVID vaccines that was taken by WTO trade ministers uh, this summer? And there's also talk of extending it to cover diagnostics and therapeutics as well. What was your reaction to that decision? What might it mean? Well, to answer your question in short, strong patents are the solution. They are not the problem. And if I expand on that, I do not at all welcome the decision on the TRIPS waiver. It is a step in the wrong direction for our ability to tackle this pandemic and future global health threats. The only effective response to to future pandemics is grounded in research, development, and innovation. And the ability to respond is built on having a solid framework for IP rights. So the decision at the World Trade Organization's ministerial conference sends a very dangerous signal, not only to the pharmaceutical industries, but to all innovator sector. And I fear that dismantling the very framework that has brought solution to tackle COVID-19 may have ripple effects for the future. So you would be urging uh, the members of the World Trade Organization not to take up that waiver, not to use it, and indeed, and certainly arguing very strongly against the extension, I would imagine, to diagnostics and therapeutics as well. Absolutely, because the problem we have is in distribution, not in production. And the TRIPS waiver would maybe, you could argue, maybe solve the production issue, but not even that, I think, and especially not in the future. So strong IP rights is the solution for future pandemics. And I think we have seen that the present system with the TRIPS, there are possibilities for flexibilities and you should use them first before you go into new TRIPS waivers. Mm. Uh, so this, this rather creates a problems for the future and solves the present issue. Indeed. Coming back to where we need to go from here and drawing on those study findings that we were talking about, we've heard repeated calls throughout this series of podcasts from speakers from different sectors, different industries, calling for stronger provisions on IP rights in free trade agreements. You yourself talked about the importance of correcting what you called that imbalance between patents and trademarks uh, and geographical indicators as an example of an area where we have been quite successful. What in concrete terms do you think we do? And is it a question of going back and revising existing agreements? Is it simply a question of saying in future agreements, we need to put more emphasis on it? How do you see the way forward here? And, And which policy recommendations from the study would you pick up on particularly? Yes. So it's very true that IP issues will be even more important in the future. So we need to focus on them. And the big economic values are on patents and on trademarks. So we cannot, in a way, sell out the geographic indicators on behalf of patents and trademarks. We have to rebalance that. Is it clever to reopen already concluded free trade agreements? Well, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I think there are some risks with that. 
there are risks that we endanger our credibility as a trading partner and as a negotiating partner. And of course, if we reopen it on the IP issues, I'm not really sure that the other part, that they will accept that without we giving them something in return. So we open up a Pandora's box effectively if we do that. Exactly. And there are huge potential to use the free trade agreements we have in the pipeline. Remember, during this term, we have only concluded one free trade agreement. That's the one with Vietnam. That is too little. The commission has to speed up the process. Of course, we have some that are ready for ratification, more or less. And here, the parliament as such also needs to speed up the process because we need them. New Zealand, which is almost ready, we have some work to be done with that, but it's basically done. I know there were some problems on IP rights with the New Zealand ones uh, regarding pharmaceuticals pharmaceutical issues. And it is like this in a negotiation. You have to give and you have to take. In this respect, I think they gained something and we didn't want to give them. Um, it has to do with uh, the number of years you have the patents and the mm. time it takes mm. to, to get the authorization from the but authorities. But as you say, there is a lot of potential in the, the talks underway to really make some progress on this. But for now, anyway, you would suggest not going back and revisiting uh, those that we already have. But Let- in, in that case, how do we address those in the long term? Do we wait for a new round of negotiations on new FTAs with the countries we already have them with? How do you see the way forward there? Yes, exactly. There is a big potential with the ones we have in pipeline. Let's work with them and with the future FTAs. And once the ones we already have are when we have several issues that we would like to negotiate mm. from both parties. Yes, of course, then we will bring up IP issues as well as other issues because, mm. of course, IP issues are very important for European businesses. Uh, and, and you said, I mean, I mentioned that finding of the study or that conclusion of the study that did feel that this was a neglected issue, that member states didn't fully understand or appreciate how important IP rights are for their prosperity, for their competitiveness, at least some member states. I'm just wondering here, speaking now with your politician's hat, do you think more needs to be done to make the case to politicians, to governments, to make the case and underline the importance of IPRs and really make sure that everybody understands how important this issue is? And if you do think more needs to be done, who needs to do it? How do we get there? Yes, more has to be done. I think the understanding of IP issues in general has to be increased among politicians in member states, in the European Parliament, and I guess elsewhere as well. I, I did work in the national parliament in Sweden before on IP issues, and I know how important they are. But I also see that a lot of my colleagues uh, didn't really understand it. And it is, to some extent, complicated issues, of course. And if you don't understand it, you don't focus on it. And that, of course, is a problem. With your study now, I'm sure this is a helpful piece to help explaining the importance of IP rights. So I guess both you and both the business sector Mm -hmm. itself and me as a parliamentarian that work with these issues, we all have our responsibility to make it more simple to understand and to to push for more and stronger IP rights in future trade agreements and in, in other sectors as well. 
So we really need that collective effort and really those voices, all the voices that we've heard uh, throughout this podcast series, all of them to make their voices heard loudly and repeatedly and as simply as possible to get it across. Jorgen, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been great to have you with us uh, to help conclude this series. So over the last few months, we've unpacked the findings of that ESIPE study through a series of activities that have included events, these podcasts, blogs, that have allowed a range of experts to share their views. As part of this, we focused on several exciting topics, including, among others, the EU's industrial strategy, pharmaceutical innovation, biotech and healthcare, the machinery equipment sector, the role of IP in combating counterfeiting and piracy, the importance of IP for the EU's small and medium-sized enterprises, IP in the services trade, and how IP can combat biodiversity loss. This podcast concludes the series, and I want to thank you very much for having joined our online conversation. As our work on these issues continues, we invite you to join the discussion on social media using the hashtag IP in EUFTAs and to follow our trade and IP webpage at esipe.org for all future updates. Thank you and goodbye.